This podcast was filmed, recorded, and produced on the lands of the Bidjigal people of the ER Nation. Podcast by Lungal acknowledges that Wikina for Your Thoughts was made on what always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, welcome to another episode of Wikina for Your Thoughts. I am your host, Lungal Wikina. Welcome to episode 4, Black Lives Matter. So, I just want to preface this episode by providing a bit of a trigger warning because I will be discussing anti-blackness, racism, colonization, violence against black people, violence against indigenous people, just a lot of really tough shit that, you know, black folks have to deal with. And I'll also be going a bit into mental health, but it won't be, you know, anything too detailed or too severe. But I, and if it does get quite intense when I'm talking about mental health, I will provide, you know, a content warning beforehand. But yeah, um, welcome to episode four. Um, Full disclosure, it is 2.43 a.m. on the 27th of July, 2020. And this is episode four, as I mentioned, and I recorded episode five on the 2nd of July. So, you know, you might be wondering, what, you've had an entire episode done? three weeks ago, like, yes, but I just wanted to provide a little bit of context for it, and that context is that episode three, the last episode I posted, I reviewed a beloved young adult fiction series, and, you know, I didn't want to have such a jarring transition into talking about what I discuss with two of my friends in episode five, which is, you know, navigating blackness and being Melanesian while also being a settler on stolen land. So, you know, obviously, you know, in the um, brief life of this podcast, there's been a lot of jumping to and fro from topics that have a lot of levity to topics that don't have as much levity, but I wanted to contextualize episode five before it came out because I think it's important to have a foundation in this podcast that I can continue to build on in further episodes where I talk about Black Lives Matter. And what I mean is that in episode five, um, I essentially dive right into it. You know, we get into really deep discussions about racism, and I wanted to have... An episode before that, which is what you're listening or watching to right now, where I did a little bit of contextualizing. So that's essentially what this episode is going to be about, because I think it's important that, especially if, you know, in years to come, someone stumbles upon, you know, this podcast, that there's a little bit of a um, train of thought, I guess. I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say, but just so that there's a, a natural transition between talking, introducing such heavy, personal, political 
themes into my podcast so that it's done with as much sensitivity and um, care as, you know, as I can give it. So um, I'm not sure if you're following along, but, you know, at the end of the day, I just want people to be able to say, oh, okay, it's perfectly natural for him to talk about Black Lives Matter and to to dive deep into discussions about it because on the episode before, there was a little bit of a foundation for that discussion to be built on. So here I am providing this foundation. Um, So like I mentioned, it's the end of July and the past two months have have seen a hyper-visibility given to the Black Lives Matter movement that I have never seen before. Um, I've been a part of this movement since it started um, in 2013 or 14, I believe. Um, And I have never seen Black Lives Mattering be so prevalent in pop culture and the news and just every facet of life essentially and I just wanted to talk a little bit about that and you know if you've been living under a rock well at the end of May um a black man called George Floyd was brutally murdered by a police officer and it was all caught on film and it went viral and that shit just triggered so much outrage around the world and you know there were protests everywhere you know not just in you know Minneapolis where it happened not just in other cities in the U.S., but, like, everywhere around the world. And that was, you know, objectively amazing. Like, that was so great for the movement. And I had never seen Black Lives Matter content so present on my social media which is saying a lot because I follow so many black activists, so many black educators. And, you know, this time around, you know, people that had never once engaged with politics publicly were posting stories and statuses and posts about Black Lives Mattering and all this stuff. So... It was just such a huge, huge moment in this movement. And, you know, I decided to put this podcast on hold because I was swept up in the movement and I decided that the momentum that this movement had gotten this unprecedented momentum was best used in the context of my energy to educate people and to bring a bit more information and context to a lot of stuff that people were seeing. So, you know, I found myself in a place where I was, you know, for an entire week, I went live on Instagram talking about things from racism in queer spaces to propaganda and just all of this stuff. And um, I found myself on so many panels talking about racism and anti-blackness and I was just doing so much work, you know, like... I was working so hard, too hard in hindsight, 
but there was all this momentum and all this attention being given to Black Lives Matter, and I was just like, I need to make sure that this isn't temporary, you know? Like, I needed to make sure that this wasn't just another hashtag, and I needed to put all my energy into making that happen, so that's what I did. I did a lot of resource gathering, a lot of resource sharing, I did a lot of educating, and, you know, part of that was recording episode five, you know, like, I went non-stop for about a month, like, for a solid month, I went non-stop, I didn't take any breaks, you know, and I had the privilege to do that because... You know, I don't know if this is a privilege, but, like, I'm unemployed, so, one, didn't have anything else to do, and two, because I took this term off of uni, I didn't have to study either, um, so a lot of, you know, almost all my attention was given to this, and it, you know, I did a lot of work, and I think it paid off a lot of people got in touch with me and told me they were grateful for the work I was doing and told me that they learned a lot. But what also happened was I didn't take care of myself, you know? Like, I got so caught up in making sure that this moment didn't end that my activism just became unsustainable. So, what had happened was I ran myself into the ground and I was so exhausted. Like, it had gone to a point where for a couple of days in a row, I had friends ordering food to be delivered to my house because I wasn't eating, you know? Like, I stopped eating. I could barely sleep. I was just, you know, like... Like, I just wasn't in a great place. And that's what was so fucked about the entire situation. Like, 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 everywhere I went, people were talking about black people dying and losing their lives and just, Like, everywhere I went, I was constantly reminded that I lived in a world where the color of my skin could get me killed, you know? And, you know, that shit takes its toll, you know? It really does. And, um, on top of exhausting myself and participating in activism that was in no way sustainable or healthy for my well-being, I was also consistently being traumatized by imagery of black people dying and even worse, people actively not caring about it, people being racist, people engaging and perpetu- engaging in and perpetuating white supremacist rhetoric. And that was, that was exhausting. That was a lot. So, um, after all that, I kind of just fell apart a little bit, you know? I was already eating so little and sleeping so little. And I kept saying, you know, next week I'll take a break. Next week I'll rest, you know, but that never happened, more and more and more stuff kept happening, and, you know, the week I was supposed to take a break, someone at my university ran to be elected onto the governing body of, you know, this entire institution, and their past of racism and transphobia and all of this awful shit just got exposed and you know for so many people it was a meme they're like oh my god she's so problematic ha 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 
But for me, it was so exhausting. It was so draining. <sighs> because, you know, yet again, I couldn't escape the dehumanization of black people. And then... It, it just got to a point where, like, I collapsed out of sheer exhaustion. You know... And for the past couple of weeks, I've just been, like, taking it easy and resting because I just tired myself out so much. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, even though I, epi even though I recorded episode five almost four weeks ago, I... You know, didn't get around to posting it until now because I just couldn't. I didn't have the capacity to do that. And I was just so overwhelmed by everything happening, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's just been an update on the past couple of months. Of the world, of my life, um, and yeah, I mean, it goes without saying that black lives do matter, they always have mattered, they always will matter, you know, to us they've always mattered, and finally, it's starting to look like they're gonna matter to everyone else as well, and... It's been so, you know, I've been talking about how absolutely wrecked I've been after the past two months. But like a part of me is struggling with, you know, being so hopeful that finally we're getting the attention we've been fighting and screaming for. You know, like, I'm finally hopeful that the world has woken up to the realities of racism and anti-blackness and genocide and, you know, all of this horrific stuff. But another part of me is just so heartbroken that it took yet another black person being murdered on camera for that to happen. And... I, and all of that has just been playing on a loop in my mind for the past couple of months, you know, like, I've just been so inundated with such strong experiences, you know, I was going to say emotions, but they're more like experiences. You know, emotions are only one part of it. Like, I'm feeling hopeful, like I mentioned, but I'm also feeling devastated at what it took to get here. And I'm feeling exhausted, and I'm feeling helpless because I'm doing as much as I can, and I'm not sure if it's even enough. But at the same time, just the experience of being an activist, pouring so much into something that, you know, it seems like not even a drop in the ocean, it just seems like a drop in a desert, you know, and, you know, the experience of being all of a sudden tokenized, you know, for so many people, I'm their only black friend. And I had to start, you know, blocking messages, deleting messages, because, you know, it gets to a point where I can't, you know, relieve people of their guilt, you know? Like, I was expected to have all the answers, I was expected to be a source of contact, and it, you know, a point of contact, sorry, for all things Black Lives Matter, and it was just, oh, 
like it was just a lot so yeah um I just yeah I have no idea what I've said or what I'm going to say because like I said it is you know well now it's three in the morning and you know my ADHD diagnosis is officially <laughs> medical so um you know that's fun but yeah it's just been it's been so rough it's been so rough and I don't know I think I also wanted to post this episode of the podcast because I don't think I've had an opportunity to be this honest about how I felt for the past two months you know like I'm sharing all these resources and posts on so much social media and on other social media platforms I'm engaging in all of this discourse and I haven't given myself the space to publicly express how I've been overwhelmed by it all and I think this episode is a great way for me to do that um yeah I mean you know like you heard I started off this episode the hopes of setting the foundations for later episodes where I discuss Black Lives Matter, but, um, it's kind of turned into, I guess, a peek behind the curtains of what it's like to be an activist in this movement, to be an educator in this movement, and, yeah, that's that's all I can say really um this has I tried writing a structure for this episode but it didn't quite work out um but what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump into a break um put myself together a little bit more and then when we come back I'll talk more about the actual Black Lives Matter movement and what I'm hoping to use this podcast for in the context of said movement. So thanks for listening so far. Um, Grab some water. Make sure you've had your meds. And I'll see you soon. Bye. Hello, hi, this isn't an ad, this is a wellness check. This is me checking in on you. Have you had something to drink today? Have you had something to eat today? Have you gotten up? Have you stretched? Have you taken your medication? Just wanted to check in. Just drink some water. Drink some water. Please, dear God, drink some water. Have I had any water to drink today? No, absolutely not. But this is about you, not about me. Anyway, back to the show. Drink water. Welcome back to episode four, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Um, like I mentioned, this episode is going to be a lot shorter than um, other episodes I've recorded, but... I started off this episode just being a little open and honest about how I've experienced this entire movement, but now I want to spend a bit of time talking about how you, dear listener or viewer, um, can, could, and should get involved with hashtag Black Lives Matter. So, 
To begin with, I am going to say what everyone has been saying, and that is educate yourself, you know? Just educate, educate, educate. You know, there's bound to be fuck-ups, you know, in your journey towards learning. And, you know, that's just a reality that we all have to make peace with, you know? No one's perfectly woke, no one's perfectly informed, we're all gonna make mistakes, we're all gonna say or do problematic things, but the important thing is we need to be committed to learning more and doing better. So, you know, I have a link in all of my social media bios, if you're following me, so that's at Lungolwakina on pretty much everything, but if you just go to my link tree, so that's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash Lungol, um, I have a whole bunch of stuff there, you know. Um, I have just a reading list, that's a Twitter thread on how you can get involved. I have a link to all sorts of ways you can donate. Um, and put your money where your mouth is, and, you know, beyond that, I just need you to (laughs) follow black people, you know? Um, The first step to educating yourself, in my opinion, is diversifying the voices you're exposed to every day so you know you do that by following black activists and black educators online and I want to stress that um, you make sure that these black people are from as many different experiences you know as possible like I would recommend looking for black people and educators and activists in your city, in your country. And I say this because a lot of the dialogue and discourse around Black Lives Matter tends to be centered around the American experience. And, you know... Spoiler alert, not all black people are American. So, um, the first thing I'd recommend you do is follow black educators in the city you're in or in the country you're in, but also in other cities and other countries, specifically non-American ones, because, you know, as someone who's living in so-called Australia, my understanding of blackness is completely different because of, you know, the kindness of black people on this continent to use their knowledge and resources to educate others on what it means to be black here. And because of that, I have felt empowered to do the same and speak to my own experiences of being black from a Melanesian standpoint, from a Papua New Guinean standpoint, from a queer standpoint. So, you know, that the first thing I'd suggest you do is diversify the voices you're exposed to and also decentralize a lot of the voices you're exposed to. So what I mean by that is making sure that when you're talking, well, when you're consuming content that's talking about black lives, make sure it isn't just about one type of black person. Make sure it's not just about cis-head black men in America, you know, like the intersections of so many forms of oppression with anti-blackness is 
so often ignored and left out of the conversation, you know, like, we need to talk about the fact that black lives matter, but also black trans lives matter, you know, black trans women are being murdered at disproportional rates to other people in the black community, and that's a problem that we need to talk about, you know, we need to talk about the way you know, disabled people in the black community are so abused by people in institutions that they're forced to rely on, like medical institutions, disability institutions, like there's so many layers to this and like I said, make sure that the black educators you're following aren't just cis-head black men in America. Make sure they're disabled people, they're queer people, they're non-binary people, that they're non-American people, that they're indigenous people. Like, there won't be any black liberation until all black people are liberated. You know, like... It's so important to learn about Black Lives Matter in a global context, you know? You need to decentralize America, decentralize men, decentralize able-bodied people, you know? We need to make Black Lives Matter as... I hate using fucking liberal buzzwords, but an inclusive movement, you know? Like, blackness isn't a monolith. There's so many of us, so many different types of us, not just different shades of us. Like, we need to make sure that the voices we're exposed to are fighting for all black people, you know? And that their black lives matter is unconditional, you know, that they're fighting for black lives that happen to be disabled, that happen to be sex workers, that happen to be, you know, that happen to be fat, all of these things that society demonizes black people for being, you know, that I can't think of any people at the top of my head because it is 3.13 a.m. But I strongly recommend you going to the show notes of this episode because I will be leaving, you know, links to people or names of people that I recommend you follow that have helped me, that have inspired me and have educated me. And if there's anyone that you like to suggest, like, feel free to hit me up on Instagram or Twitter, you know, at Wakina, and I'll check it onto the show notes as well. Like, that's really important. So, yeah. Um, so, I should have made a list, but so far, I think I've talked about one, educating yourself. One, educating yourself. And two, decentralizing you know, the majority of voices that aren't always inclusive. Next, I'm going to say decentralize again, but you need to decentralize yourself, you know. Like, I'm going to be upfront, anti-racist work is hard shit. It's not easy. It's not fun. It's deeply personal. And it can be deeply disturbing. But you need to do it anyway. You know, you need to fucking do it. And you need to decentralize yourself. Especially if you're not black. You need to decent. Actually, no, this is just for non-black people. Decentralize yourself. This isn't about you. You know, if someone calls you a racist. If a black person calls you racist. If a black person tells you that you're being anti-black, of course that shit sucks. Of course that's gonna hurt your feelings. But 
you need to sit with it because the reality is they're probably right and this is going to be really hard to hear but at the end of the day however uncomfortable or upset you may feel as a non-black person that shit pales into com- pales in comparison to what it's like to live as a black person you know like Like, that's all I can really say. This isn't about you. Like, at the end of the day, you need to realize that you're going to do this work. And that sometimes you're going to get your feelings hurt. But you need to decide that you're going to do it anyway. So, yeah. Number three, decentralize yourself. Number four... Make peace with the fact that life is going to get harder for you. You know? Like, like, being an anti-racist person isn't easy. You know? It's not easy. And notice how I'm saying anti-racist and not non-racist because, you know... Activist icon Angelo Davis said, you know, uh, maybe not verbatim, but it's not enough to be non-racist, you need to be anti-racist. And anti-racism is a lot harder than people imagine, um, because it's not just posting something on your story and being like, hashtag Black Lives Matter. It's not just following a bunch more black people, because a black person on a podcast told you to. It's so much more than that. You know, anti-racist work is actual work. Like, you need to do shit in your real life for you to be anti-racist. Like, being anti-racist isn't a title that you win once you share X amount of Instagram stories. You know? It's something that you constantly constantly have to work towards it's something you can never achieve until racism is gone you know and examples of this means calling out people in your family and that shit's hard and no one wants to do it those are uncomfortable situations those are uncomfortable conversations those are painful conversations You have to sit with people that you care about deeply and tell them that they're wrong and that they're complicit in violence. And that's hard, you know? Like, I have enough compassion to empathize with how hard that is. You know, that shit's not easy. But at the end of the day, you have to realize that As hard as that is, that's nothing compared to being black. And that's something you always need to remember. You know, like we've been fighting. Black people have been fighting. And there's no way to be anti-racist painlessly, you know. Because the reality is, to be comfortable is to be racist. And that shit's hard to hear, but it's true. Because comfort is reliant on racism. So, in order to be anti-racist, you need to be having tough conversations. And if tough conversations don't work, then, you know, sometimes you need to part ways with people in your life that are racist I'm not saying cut off your grandma or shit like that but if you have friends that aren't you know quite on board with Black Lives Matter if you have friends that are sympathetic to cops and to murderers sorry (laughs) they're the same (laughs) 
If you have friends that are okay with cops murdering innocent black people, even if guilty black people, even criminal black people, if you have friends that are okay with that, then you're okay with that. Because you're putting time and energy into relationships with people that are complicit in violence against black people. And by virtue, you're also complicit in violence against black people. So you need to put the work in. And if that means dumping your shitty racist boyfriend, fucking do it. Divorcing your racist spouse, do it. Like, <laughs> this shit isn't easy, but do it anyway. Um, next. I would like very much for everyone to support black artists. And I'm saying this specifically because so much of the discourse around Black Lives Matter has been focusing on black trauma and black death and really, really, really difficult things for black people to deal with, you know? And by supporting black artists, you know, you're helping everyone realize that there's more to blackness than just pain and trauma and death because, you know, like we need levity, you know, not as a form of distraction, but as a form of healing, you know, like... It's so important to learn about the legacies of genocide and slavery and colonialism and colonization and all of these awful things. But you also have to make space for other facets of the black experience that explore joy and love and friendship and all of these things and, you know... The best way to do that, in my opinion, is to support black artists, you know? Support black people that are using their art to show people that the black experience is beautiful, that it can be painless, that it can be loving. And, you know, an example of this, I mean, I'm not saying, like, support me as a black artist, but I'm just, like, saying, as an example... I was asked to be a headliner for a poetry slam, um, you know, during June because um, of how prevalent Black Lives Matter was. So these organizers who are friends of mine were like, we think it's really important that voices like yours are especially heard during June because not only is it Pride Month, but we also need to be talking about Black Lives Matter. So when my set started, I, you know, performed a bunch of pieces I wrote when I was a teenager, when I was really angry and I was really upset. But then I finished the piece... I mean, I finished my set with a piece that was a love story between two black men because there's more to our life than white supremacy. We're not defined by racism. We're not defined by the trauma we endure under these systemic, structural, institutional forms of oppression. You know, like I ended my set talking about two black men that were in love with each other, not because I wanted to distract from the issues at hand, not because I wanted to make people more comfortable, 
but because I wanted them to see that black lives matter, but black lives should be happy, you know? Our lives shouldn't just matter. They should be valid. Our lives are equally deserving of love and respect and romance and beauty and all of these things. You know? So, that's why I'm saying support black artists. You know, you don't have to support me if you're not keen. But, a follow, you know, even like black YouTubers or TikTokers or people that make skits about just enjoying life and things being funny and, you know, taking the piss out of their friends. Like, it's so important that we aren't seen as perpetual victims, but we're seen as whole human beings. And this is... You know, as much as I'm saying this for, you know, all my non-black allies out there, this is especially pertinent to black people as well. We need to see ourselves falling in love. We need to see ourselves laughing. You know, like, that shit's important. Like, so important. And my last thing is... My last tip for this episode before I end things is to find your place in this movement and you know there's some roles in this movement that are hyper visible that people assume are the only ones available you know they're like organizers are you going to rallies or you know you're donating, all of these things, and those things are so important, and they're so valid, but sometimes they're not possible for you, and that's completely fine, you know, like I mentioned, I'm unemployed, so I haven't been able to donate anything to any of these, um, fundraisers, or bail funds, or anything, so I've just had to be creative with how you know, I can make myself effective for this movement. And I've chosen to be an educator. I've chosen to use my limited platform to teach as many people as I can about Indigenous rights, about Black Lives Matter, about all of these things, you know? Like, there's a role in this movement for everyone. And one thing I've been saying this entire time is that healing is just as important to this movement as fighting is. You know, another way you can be, you know, a part of this movement is doing what my friends did. You know, they bought me meals when I could barely cook for myself, or that I could, you know, barely, you know, make any, you know, thing to, you know, to have my medication with, have, like, there's so much you can do. If, and if you don't have money, then reach out to organizations or, especially in Australia, reach out to families that are fighting um, for loved ones that they lost in custody, you know, to state violence, saying, hey, you know, I can't donate money, but um, do you, like, do you need help? like, running this Facebook event? Do you need help designing something? Do you need me to drive you to and from places? Like, there's so many ways you can help. And I need to stress again, healing is just as important as fighting, you know? Maybe you can't go to a protest because you're immunocompromised. You know, that's fine. Be a point of contact for your friends that are going to protests. Tell your friends that they can write your number on their arm in permanent markers so if shit goes out with the police, they can call you and you can arrange help for them. There's so much we can do. There's so much. So, 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 so much. So, yeah, find your role in this movement. Because everyone has a role. And like I mentioned earlier, 
if you're not actively choosing to embrace a role, then you're complicit in the violence this movement is trying to stop. So yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of Wakina for Your Thoughts. I have been your host, Thor Wakina. Thank you so much for making it to the end. I really appreciate it. I highly recommend staying tuned for the next episode that's going to drop. Episode 5, it's a bit long, but it's two hours of incredible discussion featuring two of my really good friends and really important issues are covered and I could not recommend listening to it enough, especially if you'd like to learn more about blackness in the context of being a Pacific Islander and being a Melanesian, highly recommend listening to that. If you would like to support me, you can check me a follow on social media at Lungongwakina on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and if you would like to support me financially, <laughs> I have a Patreon. So that's patreon.com forward slash There's a whole bunch of perks there. And if you can't afford to, you know, donate every month, that's fine. You can tip me one off on PayPal, so that's paypal.me forward slash longall, and if you want any more information, then check out my website on line via any device at longall.com, that is l-u-n-g-o-l dot com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, Black Lives Matter. Wakina for Your Thoughts is a podcast by Lungol Production. This episode was produced, edited, filmed, and hosted by me, Lungol Wakina, and was scored by Richard Wakina. Special thanks to Richard Wakina for our incredible theme music. This podcast was filmed, recorded, and produced on the lands of the digital people of the Eora Nation. Podcast by Lungol acknowledges that Wakina for Your Thoughts was made on what always was and always will be Aboriginal land.